of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I'm your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan. And you have just tuned into the podcast that talks animation springing from the world of comic books. Welcome to episode 56. Let me briefly explain the rules. Number one, we're talking comic book animation. I just said that. Pay attention. Rule number two. Big fan of the old team-up books. My old team-up, DC Comics Presents Brave and the Bold. So this is a team-up podcast every week. Me and a special guest teaming up to talk comic book animation. Rule number three and most important, we got to have fun. We're not going to waste any time. We're bringing my guest on right now. He was on the very first episode. Welcome back. The host's older brother, Travis. Hello. Good to be back been a while uh you were last here in the uh one of our christmas episodes so it's been quite a while since you've been on the show yep i did the holiday one i did the first one i'm back like what twice a year now <laughs> so last, you've always uh until now any one of your appearance we talk dc so today we're switching it up we're talking marvel we're talking spider-man and his amazing friends tell us uh what episode you picked and why you decided to pick it well, I, I picked this because I, I always loved this cartoon. This was like one of the big Marvel cartoons that came out when I was younger. At the time, everything was DC. You know, it was Superman, it was Batman, and Super Friends. And this was the first big Marvel one, and it was like sort of a group. That was a lot of fun. And they just were all over the place. They'd fight different guys every time. And this is one of my favorite episodes. It's got a huge cast. It's got a crazy premise. And it's just a lot of fun. Well, since you didn't mention it, we're going to be talking the episode Seven Little Superheroes. Original air date, October 17th, 1981. And this is almost like a Marvel team-up episode because it's the Spider-Friends teaming up with a multitude of heroes from the Marvel Universe. Oh, yeah. It's a crazy mix of characters. So uh, we're going to get into all that in a minute. We're going to talk a little bit about the show. Spider-Man's Amazing Friends debuted in 1981. Uh, Marvel Productions did it. It was... I believe the second cartoon Marvel Productions had done, the first one being the Spider-Woman cartoon of all things. And it uh, aired on NBC on Saturday mornings. A little bit of history. It was Spider-Man. If anyone doesn't know, he was teaming up with Iceman and Firestar. Now, uh, Firestar, a lot of people don't know this, was a creation of the cartoon. We'll get into her creators in a little bit, but... uh, they had the fire, and I don't know why, they had the fire and ice idea for the two friends of Spider-Man. They probably thought it was a cute theme to do, or they just were having trouble figuring out who the girl was going to be, so when they made one up going, oh, we'll just, we have that ice guy already, we'll, we'll just do a fire girl. Now, the original plan was it to be the Human Torch and Iceman. That's cool, I did not know that. But uh, legal reasons, uh, the same problem the uh, the Fantastic Four 70s cartoon ran into is that uh, Human Torch was rights were opted by another studio that was developing a live action Human Torch television show, I believe it was. Really? I did not know about that. So, I just assumed it was because they had 
optioned the rights to like Hanna Barbera had them for a while, yeah. and some other studio, and they just hadn't gotten them fully back. So yeah, as a result, they were unable to use them in the cartoon. So they decided, which I think works out better, to have a they, they created a female character in one Firestar. So I think they needed a female yeah, I character think it's on a the better show. Dynamic than if it had just been these three college dudes hanging out together fighting crime. Some of her uh, original proposed names, Starblaze, Firefly, and Heatwave. Those are not great. Not only not great, two of which are already existing DC characters. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so they finally went with uh, Firestar. She was kind of, uh, the original design was heavily influenced by old Mary Jane designs from the John Romita era. Yeah, you can see a lot of that look. Or it's just Peter Parker has a type. <laughs> Now, uh, this is the uh, also one of the first where uh, usually when they start something new Spider-Man, it's always teen Spider-Man. But this one, he's actually starting in college. He's not a teenager at the beginning of this series. Yeah, this is pretty much set the same place where the comic was at the time. Because I think Peter Parker was, I mean, well, he was in high school for like 10 years and then he was in college for like 20. Um, and they're all going to Empire University, the three of them. And they're all living with uh, Aunt May. Dan Jerwich, who also directed this episode, I think he directed every episode, was uh, pretty much the creator of this. Stan Lee was actually heavily involved in some of the creative, and he was the narrator, which I'm told in uh, a lot of the repackaged versions, he's, his voice isn't available in some of the other it's versions. very hit or miss. Um, my daughter and I watched a bunch of the episodes when Disney Plus first got it, and it is very much you'll go a couple episodes where you won't hear his narration and then all of a sudden he'll show up so i didn't know if that was a later thing and they just didn't do it earlier in the season or what's going on with it now this ranks in uh it's my personal favorite spider-man cartoon they've ever done it actually ranks in my top four favorite animated superhero shows of all time as it should and uh one good thing about it was uh which we're going to get into more when we get into this particular episode. Almost all the heroes, villains, characters were very few changed from their comic counterparts. No, everybody really looks good. There's no redesigning them. They did a nice job with everybody who shows up. And then later on, it was turned into, I believe it was the Spider-Man Incredible Hulk hour, where like season two and maybe three were like sharing it with the Incredible Hulk cartoon as yeah. well. And then there was, there was a solo Spider-Man cartoon voiced by the same guy who did this one. I could never remember if it came before or after. I believe they did a season before where it's the same voice. And a lot of, if you watch it, uh, a lot of the music is, uh, yeah. is extremely the same as well. We're not going to get a whole thing about it because I've, I've, we've talked about Spider-Man as Amazing Friends. Like I said, we're going to be talking about the episode 7, The Little Superheroes. Like I said, original air date October 17th, 1981. Dan Jerwich, the director, Doug Booth wrote this episode, and uh, I don't know if I'd say interesting, but a tidbit, this is the only episode of the cartoon that he ever wrote. And the premise is one, the chameleon, wanting to get revenge on a bunch of different superheroes and gathering them. This part, I mean, I love the design on the chameleon. I love the guy who they have doing the voice. He is crazy over the top. But this group of heroes that he announces have all thwarted his plans. And you look at this team up and you go, wait, wait a minute. What crime were you pulling off that you went up against the Jungle Queen Shanna, Doctor Strange? I'm really confused about this one. How did this become your rogues gallery? Now, uh, supposedly, uh, I don't know how true this is. I found in my research, uh, the story was loosely based on the classic Agatha Christie story, Ten Little Indians. Oh, yeah, that's that's really obvious where they borrowed this plot from. 
I mean, the title, Seven Little Superheroes from Ten Little Indians. Yeah, it's not a stretch. As a kid, I love it, and I still love it now, where uh, I love the shared Marvel Universe. I love Team Up, so it's great to see all these characters wrapped up in one. Um, this is the first time I can remember any cartoon where, where multiple heroes showed up and it wasn't a superhero team. Yes, just having the, this crazy mix of characters, and they were just kind of brought together at random. That was just a fun episode. So we're going to go down the list. First, obviously, Spider-Man, the flagship Marvel character created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Uh, he's voiced by uh, Dan uh, Gilvezen, who is actually very uh, famous in the world of uh, voice acting at that time. He was the voice of uh, Bumblebee on Transformers. He was also the voice of Slipstream on G.I. Joe. He had done numerous uh, voices in that era, like most people did. Busy guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to do the Spider-Friends first. Iceman. Created by Jack Lee, <laughs> created by Jack Kirby, and Stan Lee. He is voiced by the immortal Frank Welker. Yeah, any cartoon for the last like forty years, you're almost legally required to have Frank Welker do a voice. For anyone who doesn't know, and I can't imagine you're listening to this podcast and don't know Frank Welker, one of, if not the most known voice actor in history, he was Fred on Scooby Doo, pretty much from the '60s all the way till. Uh, he still Mystery yeah. Incorporated. The he only thing, he, the only time I think he didn't voice Fred was in the Scoob movie. Yeah, the live action and a couple of the movies he didn't do, but he's been pretty much there the whole time. He was also the voice of Nibbler on Futurama. He did voices on the Smurfs. He's uh, been on virtually everything. He's been on the Simpsons. He's technically the third highest grossing actor of all time. If you take every film he ever was a part of and add it to their box office receipts. Yeah, he is pretty much the Kevin Bacon of animation. Yeah, you got to take in mind, they're, they're talking like a movie where there'd be a CGI dog and he did the barking and they'll count that on the list. It's crazy to think. I think he was 23 when he voiced Fred in the original Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And think about that now. <laughs> Over 50 years later, there was still voicing uh, like an 18-year-old kid. There was some magazine that tried to do a chart of all the voices, and every picture had to be like postage stamp size, and it filled the page. He's just been, it's crazy the amount of work he's done. Uh, the thing, uh, we're going to get to it more, but uh, this episode in particular is like a who's who of, uh, of famous voice actors from that era. Firestar, who was created specifically for the show, later on became in continuity in comic books. The amount of people that went into her creation, Dennis Marks, Dan Spiegel, John Romita Sr., Rick Holberg, Christy Marks. Uh, she's voiced by Kathy Garver. Her most famous claim to fame was she played Catherine Sissy Davis on the sitcom Family Affair. Ooh. Which, I don't know about you, but I don't even know what that is. I've heard of it. I, don't, I doubt I've actually watched an episode. And surprisingly, um, it wasn't until five years after the show went off the air that she finally appeared in continuity in the comic books which i thought was kind of weird like I, I don't know if someone just said hey you got this character sitting there that nobody's done anything with it took him a long time to bring her in and then once they did they didn't know what to do with her they tried to make her like one of the x-men or something and it just she floated around a lot it just yeah her first appearance in uh, x-men 193 and then later on she became part of the new warriors and joined the avengers and uh, i'm not sure what she's doing now because i don't really read x books so let's get first to the guest stars, the team up. Take in mind, these are all characters that's thwarted the chameleon's plan. I would like to see the plans that this eclectic group <laughs> have thwarted. First, we have Captain America, the, the one and only, created by uh, Jack Kirby, Joe Simon, a George Desenzo, 
does the voice of him. He was uh, not as much a voice actor, but a regular actor. He uh, Biggest claim to fame, he played Sam Bynes in Back to the Future. Ooh, I have no idea who Sam Bynes was. <laughs> He's uh, Marty's grandfather on his mother's side. Oh, okay. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Here we have Shauna the She-Devil, but changed on this to Shauna the Jungle Queen. I'm not sure if She Devil is. I, I don't know I why thought, that's I offensive that was or too racy for a cartoon. I guess uh, she was created by uh, Carol uh, Sulig and George Tuska back in the '70s. Interesting fact about that, which I didn't know, is she was part of a project in early Marvel '70s to try and get female readers to come along. So they created her Night Nurse and uh, the original version of which would become Tigra. The I think she was the cat, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. And they actually had female writers. Which they'd existed before then, but they weren't ever really prominent at that point. Well, I knew that Shanna was mostly known because she and Kazar, their their Tarzan clone, uh, got eventually got married. But yeah, she had a title I think before him, or yeah. they were roughly and, at the same time, and then they kind of paired them off together, did a kind of a Green Arrow, Black Canary thing. She's voiced by uh, Janet Waldo, very famous for she was uh, Josie on Josie and the Pussycats. As well as Judy Jetson. Okay, that's where I knew the name. I was watching this episode going, I know that voice from somewhere. Who does she remind me of? So it's uh, quite a group. Uh, Prince Namor, the Submariner, created by uh, Bill Everett. Uh, he's voiced by William, William Woodson. Biggest claim to fame is the narrator. After Ted Knight, he became the permanent narrator on the Super Friends. That's cool. Now, not to confuse you, this name is from Atlantis, so I know this is going to confuse a lot of people. Now everyone won't be able to tell the difference between him and Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, because they look so much alike. <laughs> but he's from Atlantis. I know MCU thinks that that'll completely confuse people, but this Namor is from Atlantis, so don't get confused. He's not Aquaman. While we're on the subject, I wouldn't bring it up, but it's so recent. The dumbest reasoning MCU has ever said for a character change is they had to change him not from Atlantis to distinguish him from Aquaman. Is this a recent thing? Yes, or? that's because okay. the, he's not in the in the movie. He's going to supposedly be in Black Panther 2. He's not from Atlantis. He's from an undersea Mexican city to make him different to the general public from Aquaman because you see he's from a different undersea kingdom. Nobody will make the connection. I don't know where to go with that. You you seem very worked up about it. I, <laughs> I have not even heard about that. That is odd. I don't care they did it. I care that their reasoning is so stupid. <laughs> I, well, I'm still trying to figure out the whole, the gods in Thor are aliens, but the gods in Moon Knight are gods. So <laughs> anyway, I, I don't yes. have time to deal with Atlantis. Namor, or Namor, Bill Everett created him, one of the oldest characters in the entire Marvel category. Doctor Strange, who... Been debatable. Some people say Steve Ditko solely deserves the credit for the creation of uh, Doctor Strange, but it's more. I, I would probably put Steve Ditko with Stan Lee. Yeah, I think it's still Doctor Strange effort. Because basically, what happened was he had the idea and a first synopsis for a Doctor Strange story. Took it to Stan Lee and Stan with him. They sort of honed it together. So I would argue he probably deserves more of the credit for Doctor Strange, but it was still yeah, a collaborative effort. And he did a lot of the design work, but yeah, a lot of these guys, it was a partnership. And Doc Strange is also voiced by William Woodson, who is the narrator on the uh, Super Friends. So he's no, doing two. Did not, he not realize it was the same guy. Double That's work cool. on this one. All the way now, even like The Simpsons and South Park, people voice multiple people on the show. Yeah, so it happens all the time. You're having conversations with yourself, essentially. Now let's take a mind. The chameleon is 
a master of disguise. That's it. Yet he's getting into battles with the Prince of Atlantis, the Sorcerer Supreme, the She-Devil, the Jungle Queen. And in this episode, he can do the disguise thing, but that's the extent of it. He can't cop anybody's powers. So I just, yeah. Like I said, that whole monologue where he's talking about how, oh, you've all crossed my path. And I'm like, what were you doing? You know, what were these various crimes of yours that, that took you to the jungle, the ocean, and some kind of magic place? So the chameleon... Created by uh, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. He was actually the first supervillain ever to appear in a Spider-Man comic book back in Spider-Man number one. That's cool. He is voiced by uh, Hans Conrad, who, very famous, he was Captain Hook in the original Peter Pan film. Snidely Whiplash on Dudley Do-Ray. And what I recognized him for the most of the time was he was Thorin Oakenshield in the Hobbit cartoon of the 70s. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was in a ton of stuff. He did a lot. I mean, in the 30s and 40s, he was in movies, did a lot of comedies there, and then had a huge career as a voiceover guy. He did a lot of stuff for the Rocky Bullwinkle show. He showed up all over the place. And for anyone who doesn't know, Thorin Oakenshield, he was the main dwarf in the original Hobbit and in the cartoon as well. I believe, uh, I'm assuming he's, they didn't change him in the Peter Jackson one. I don't remember. I only saw the first of the three Hobbit movies, so I don't remember. Now, here's the thing about the chameleon over the years. They can never decide whether or not he's actually wearing disguises or he can pull a mystique and actually quickly transform into. Yeah, that was, and that comes up, was one of my thoughts about this, watching this episode is he changes really quick. So it feels like it's some kind of hologram idea, but at the same time, yeah, he can't copy powers. Nope. There's a couple scenes where, he, spoiler, there's a scene where Spider-Man has to catch Shanna when she falls into a trap. And I'm like, if all he did is, if it's a hologram, didn't he notice that this guy feels a little bulky for, you know, a jungle queen? So, yeah, they've sometimes he's actually, you know, quickly changing in disguises. Sometimes he's just hologramic or mystique. They've, they've never really been yeah, clear on that. they seem to make up their mind. Uh, every writer seems to have a different idea of how his powers work. So you got to really think about this. Chameleon is going to take on Spider-Man, Iceman, Firestar, Namor, Doctor Strange, Captain America, Shauna. I really wondered, did they come up first with the villain and then work backwards? Let's pick four heroes. Or did they do it the other way? Because I couldn't imagine they had that lineup and said, who's the villain that could take on these seven guys? Chameleon. <laughs> I kind of feel like they, they picked a villain first because they're like, okay, we need somebody who can do the disguise thing. We need somebody who can, you know, clever traps sort of stuff and gadgets. And then they kind of just randomly threw darts at a big list of Marvel characters. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad that they all appear. We're going to get into it in a minute. Some of them probably could have done more than they do in the cartoon. But it's just a weird, like, there's got to be more powerful Spider-Man villains that could have took these guys on. Well, yeah. I mean, I like the chameleon as a villain. I don't have a problem with him as a choice. It's the odd list of, I mean, and I love all these characters. But you just are like, what was the process for picking these guys? So, on that note, we're going to take a small break, and then we're going to talk about Spider-Man and his amazing friends, seven little superheroes. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Spider-Man and his amazing friends will return after these messages. All right, everybody out. Who got the 3D theater meal? I bought it. Good choice. Along with your Hardy's burger, fries, and drink, you get a 3D adventure show starring one of us. I think you know everybody here? Sure. sure. We'll each be starring in our own 3D adventure. Be sure you collect all six at Hardy's. I will. Oh, yeah. Okay, ready, boys? Put in the action strip. Look through the viewer. It's showtime. Uncle Butter, can I look? Uh, just a second. Just a second. 
3D theater meals at Hardee's. No need to panic. Things look grim. Could be critical. The odds are against you. Spider-Man faces 20 supervillains so powerful that even with the Fantastic Four, his number may be up. Marvel Spider-Man, the video game from acclaim. Beat the odds. This is Web Spinning Spider-Man with Flyaway Action Pack. Assembly required. Load the web spinning fluid and squeeze. Web Spinning Spider-Man. Small webs, big webs. Spider-Man webs are catchy webs. Webs around fingers, webs around legs. Webs, webs, Web Spinning Spider-Man. Web Spinning Spider-Man with Flyaway Action Pack and Web Spinning Fluid by Mego. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. Spider-Man and his amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. And we are back, and we just watched... Spider-Man and his amazing friends, seven little superheroes. How about, I've talked about in previous episodes, that theme song just just off the charts. Oh yeah, it is very catchy. It's a very nice little intro to them. The one thing that always kind of cracks me up about it, though, is all that computer stuff that shows up in their, their dorm room or wherever they are. How did they get that all in past Aunt May? Did she not notice the construction crew? And they almost never use the stuff. So you're just kind of like, well, that looks really cool. Why do you have any of that? Later on, it was the, uh, explained Tony Stark provided all of that technology oh, to yeah. him. At the same time, though, like I said, we got that installed and constructed. There's a secret tunnel that they can sneak out of the house when they don't want to be spotted by Aunt May. Was she away from the weekend? Is she deaf? What's going on? Yeah, they, I often, <laughs> they never did explain that. So we open with a mysterious castle. The chameleon's there, pretty much talking to himself. Explaining his plan and actually describing all the heroes he doesn't like. On one hand, it is blatant exposition, but he is just going for broke with the monologuing. It is just kind of glorious, and you kind of let him get away with it. You know, there's a couple moments where you sit there and go, who are you talking to? But he is just so over the top and wonderful with it. You kind of like, yeah, go ahead. Have fun. Yeah, he literally is talking to the statues of these characters, how they've all thwarted his plans, and he's going to get them all. But yes, he's literally... Talking to himself, explaining his plan, ranting at the super. Yeah, he has no audience besides, I mean, besides us. And yeah, he made the little statues. He announces what he's going to do to them. He then breaks the little statue of each character as he rants. He also um, changes his disguise throughout this montage for what purpose i don't i don't know exactly to yeah, show it, the audience he can do it <laughs> it feels like there should have been a henchman or somebody there otherwise you do kind of worry about this guy and in his description of uh you know he describes fully these characters my favorite is he brings up that shauna has jungle instincts yeah that's i'm sure gonna play off really well i want to know just one example of a jungle instinct <laughs> Yeah, they're a little vague with some of their abilities and powers. So <laughs> we go from that to 
all of the spider friends have received a mysterious invitation to this party on Wolf Island the, at Wolf the Mansion. Note thing. <laughs> he randomly stuck an envelope to a skyscraper, and then Spider-Man goes, ooh, somebody knows my regular patterns. You swing all over the city. Are there like a dozen of these just stuck to buildings hoping you'll find one? Now, take in mind, the letter is addressed to Spider-Man, New York City. If you look closely, it's postmarked. So that means the chameleon put it in the mail, and somehow the mailman delivered it to... Oh, that makes t- it even better. <laughs> he, I, I thought it was nuts enough on its own that the chameleon was doing this. No, it's postmarked. So the mailman delivered it. I guess Willie Lumpkin climbed up the building and hung this thing upside down. Oh, okay. That's better then. I guess it's not as stupid as I thought it was. In a really dumb scene, Firestar and Iceman are both so distracted by reading the letter, they... Like, nearly crash into each other. Yeah, it's the equivalent of driving while texting for Iceman. He's reading his mail while he's shooting around the city on that little ice ramp thing he does. And to avoid it, unfortunately, poor Spider-Man gets uh, frozen in a block of ice. That was a running gag on this show. Iceman would make a mistake, and then Spider-Man would end up, like, in a snowman or something. They're hanging out with Aunt May, letting them know that they're going to this party. Ms. Lion has to go with them. Because Aunt May's going to be staying at a friend's house who has a lot of C-A-T-S's. I, you know, you've, you've referenced your, your lack of love for animal sidekicks in cartoons. And I generally can take them or leave them. But Miss Lion is like so pointless. She does so little, but they keep having to trot her out for a gag. And it's just like, uh, all right, why do we have this dog? And then, yeah, they try and make her a plot point, and it never works. It, it just... I think they felt they needed one, and then nobody wanted to do anything with her. And she's like one of the only characters from a cartoon. Marvel never brings her in. She is not showing up. Herbie the Robot got to show up in the comics. Ms. Lion, never showing up in the comics. I looked into that. She shows up in the the Animal Avengers. Oh, um, dear God. Which they reveal Ms. Lion is a male. So I don't know if... Don't judge. (laughs) I don't know if it's... That was always the case, and because sometimes people give uh, you know, like female type names to and vice versa. I don't know <laughs> if that was always in continuity or whoever wrote that Animal Avengers story. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. She's never been brought up, and then I did some research, and she did show up in the oh, or he God. showed up in the Animal Avengers. <laughs> I have reference. I don't like sidekicks. I particularly have a disdain from his line. This is the most annoying, useless character in the goddamn world. They did something with her. You know, there's other shows have them, but they're there and they do something. <laughs> Ms. Lyon just kind of shows up to remind us that they have a dog. Every now and then there's a gag. Most of them aren't funny. Or they try and put her in the plot and then they just kind of stop halfway through the episode. And they reference that their host is going to have an unexpected eighth guest. Remember that. So we switch to Wolf Island which is just kind of this island with this mysterious mansion in the middle of it. Which oh, yeah. It's a great location. It's a party. That's a very mysterious party that we don't know what's going on. And Spidey and uh, Iceman are going across the river on a bridge of ice. When who should smash through it but the submariner himself, Prince Namor. I got to say, Namor is probably my favorite <laughs> of the guest stars. I mean, one, he's drawn comic perfect. The guy doing his voice gives him this great, just snotty voice. Every time, he just dislikes everybody. That whole line when he breaks out and goes, thought this was a gathering of superheroes, not super fools. 
He breaks through the ice. Who is the fool responsible for this? <laughs> he is just angry all through this. and It's just really so fun to watch him. Yeah, I love that he's just a pompous jerk on this entire episode. It is tremendous. So they uh, they get to the party, and all the heroes are uh, there. Doctor Strange, Captain America, Shauna, the Jungle Queen. Doctor Strange even says, this is a strange gathering, pardon the pun. Then we get a recording of the chameleon, which again, <laughs> intros all the heroes because <laughs> they don't know each other apparently. Because yeah, they haven't just done an intro of each other. <laughs> My favorite is uh, Captain America, superhero, super patriot, super fool. Yeah, he's stealing Namor's line. What's up with this poser? <laughs> There's seven little superheroes. He gives a speech how it's going to happen. Uh, Namor, he's got no time for this nonsense. He's out of here. But... There's a force field around the entire island. They can't escape. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of the traps in this episode are ridiculous or are so crazy precise that you're like, how do these even work right? It just seems like every inch of this place is a booby trap. How are they not setting something off? But some of them are very cool. I like the force field around keeping them there. And some of them are very clever. We get the first of many of uh, Chameleon's clever uh, rhymes. Seven little superheroes in quite a fix. One will fall into fire, and then there will be six. So he's very nice. He explains to you what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. You got to mess with him. That's part of the fun of the whole day. We get a real quick cut of Namor, who's completely in a different part of the building now, saying how everyone's got to work alone because you can't trust uh, who the chameleon yeah, can be. Yeah, it feels like there should have been a scene where they kind of split up because there's the Namor scene, and like right after is Spider-Man isn't stuff. And you're like, did I, did I miss something? When did you guys decide to do this? Namor finds the swimming pool, which even makes a comment about how this would be the perfect thing to refresh him. Like, why is he so damn tired? He didn't do any. I guess flying from Atlantis. Uh. Well, he, he, was, he was one of those ones. It wasn't as bad with Aquaman, but they would play around with he couldn't be away from water for real long. The longer he was away. I mean, it wasn't like Aquaman had like a set thing, like after an hour, he yeah. was in trouble. But Namor, it was just kind of this random, if he was away from water too long, he, I don't know, dried out or something. But when he jumps in the pool, it's actually alcohol yeah which i i guess a pool full of chlorine water and alcohol might smell similar enough but that seemed a little weird yeah the fact that he couldn't detect that was a little strange it dries him out which actually scientifically accurate if you have too much alcohol it will actually dehydrate you oh yeah he and tries- there's a convenient little island in the middle of the pool <laughs> he does announce it so you know everyone knows uh because I guess when you don't have thought balloons, you kind of have to announce hey, this. Hey, we're learning science here, kids. <laughs> and he tries to fly away, but he's too weak, and he falls into fire just like the chameleon had predicted. Uh, which is a cool stunt where he, uh, the alcohol dries him out, and then they set fire to it, or they ignite the alcohol, so he's trapped. I got to admit, as a kid, I was like, I know they don't kill people in comics or cartoons, but at the same time, I was kind of like really on the edge of my seat of what happened. He just fell into fire. Like, they didn't show a seat of him being all right. There are some little bits where, I mean, one, if you're going to rip off Agatha Christie, this is one of her best books. It is a seriously creepy novel. If you like mysteries, you should try it. But it is nicely done where, yeah, when you're watching this and you're like 11 or 12, you're like, oh my God, they're really in trouble. That's really bad. And yeah, and you kind of in the back of your head know they're not going to kill everybody off, but you just, you watch them and it builds up a nice little bit of suspense. 
So we switch to Spidey, who ends up falling in a trap door so the chameleon can take his place. I'm not sure why his spider sense didn't warn him of that. The spider sense is weird in the cartoon. It's very hit or miss. But I do love that. Like, and they use this bit like a couple times where he just kind of randomly leans against something and ah, a trap door and he falls in. I was just like, what? You're bad at this. A chameleon's always right around the corner to change right after it happened. Yeah, like I said, after a while, they're like, this is so precariously balanced to plan. It just feels like, how did you manage to hold this together? They have to be in the exact right spot for everything to work. And we find out that Chameleon can sound like the person, uh, which I think we found out earlier, but that, yeah, that plays Yeah, the voice it. and the look, but that's the extent of it. So we go to Captain America and Iceman, who are in the uh, the the forest together looking around. And Cap says that the whole place could be booby-trapped. That is actually a cool scene. I mean, one, there's a nice dynamic between the two. I think Captain America comes back for an episode. He does. They actually. liked pairing him off with Iceman. And it's it's a fun action scene when the traps go off. I mean, Iceman steps into one like in five minutes and is stuck hanging from a tree. But Captain America does this like five-minute action montage of dodging traps and leaping over stuff. It was kind of cool. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, since Cap doesn't get to do anything, it was great that he got his little scene here showing how awesome he is. Blocking things with his shield, diving, ducking, bobbing and weaving. They try to give everybody a little something to do. How successful they are is there's some debate there. But this was a nice little scene right before. Spoiler. He falls into a trap. <laughs> Spidey, the chameleon Spidey tells him to, for safety, to jump into that lake, which we find out the lake is quicksand. Yeah, that was my one problem with this scene. I mean, Cap is going great guns. He's dodging everything. He's leaping. He's bounding. Nothing can stop him. And then, I mean, I know it was Spidey setting him up for the trap, but then like five minutes later, he's completely helpless. And what kind of plan is, I know it'll help you, Cap, jump in that pond. Did he not stop to think that? Why, why is that a good idea? Iceman's going to get him out, but Spidey says, no, I'll web him out. And he misses with the web, and Cap sinks into the quicksand. Yeah, that gimmick kind of wears a little thin by the end, but the first couple times he's disguised as somebody and going, I'll help, and he kind of makes it at least appear like, oh, no, I tried, but it didn't work. By the end, he's just kind of not even trying. But then Ms. Lion comes into play. She sniffs. She can tell it's not Spider-Man. Yeah. She starts barking at him, which is going to be like the, the way they're always going to see through the disguise. Which I, he's a criminal mastermind, the master of disguise, and his weakness is dogs. And I'm sorry, but we established in this that Dr. Strange's telepathic powers, he can't detect him. Shanna has jungle instincts. I'm not sure what that is. But she can't detect him. None of them can spot him. But the dog can smell that there's something evil about him. So we go to a scene where Ms. Lion is barking at a chimney and Spidey comes down. And he says, it's your uh, friendly neighborhood Santa Claus. And Iceman's not falling for that again. He blasts him with ice. Iceman in this show was almost the comic relief sidekick <laughs> instead of Ms. Lion. He has some great bits where he is very quick to, especially I, 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 with Spider-Man. There's a, a couple episodes where Spider-Man will get framed for a crime or something, and man, Iceman is right there going, I'm taking him out. Like, he was just waiting for the chance to zap him. Find out uh, Ms. Lion lets him in that it's actually Spider-Man, so Firestar melts the ice and uh, frees him from the, uh, <laughs> the big bullet of ice. And then we go to uh, Shauna the Jungle Queen, who's uh, jumping around cliffs. Yeah, she's like on the top of that cliff for like five minutes, just kind of posing. Chameleon pulls a little lever, which causes the cliff to collapse and her to fall into a giant pit. Now, this is a very bizarre thing, because all of a sudden, 
Doctor Strange is like, wait, I'm getting a telepathic signal from Sean. Yeah, I, I've got to say, if there's one, the weakest character in this is Doctor Strange does nothing. He flies around. They reference that he he's the master of the mystic art, but he really does nothing. And every scene that requires him, he gets taken out real easy. He is, you know, it's nice to see him there, and he's got a great design on the costume, but he is useless in this episode. So is it Shauna can send telepathic messages, or he is receiving them? And if that's the case, why didn't he receive them from everybody else when they were in trouble? Yeah, again, Doctor Strange's problem in the comics has always been his powers were really vague. They had no idea how magic worked. And the cartoon has the same thing. Because like I said, he does, he's got like two scenes where he actually participates in a fight. And he does really just nothing. So he uh, just kind of stands around. Chameleon disguises as Shauna, and Spidey saves her, thinking it's Chameleon. And I don't know if you noticed, Chameleon is a bit overly friendly with Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. And well, that was the thing is that he holds on to her, and once they land, they're still holding on to each other. I'm like, do you not realize that this is not? I mean, one, the Chameleon looks to be slightly taller than Shauna, and he's a bit bulkier. If it's just a hologram. How are you not figuring out that this is going on? I don't know. Like, this is the chameleon, not Shauna, but he he looks like he's about ready to plant a wet one on Spider-Man. He is like, got his arms around. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one in general, Shauna's fairly sexy for a kid's cartoon in this. Anyway, they did give her a slightly more modest outfit than she had in the comics, but they are still kind of playing her up a little bit as the hot chick in this group. But then Ms. Lion blows the chameleon spot yet again, gives the cat out of the bag that that's not Shauna the Jungle Queen. Yeah. Again, the implication that if they hadn't brought the dog, they'd all be dead by the end of this episode. And then in the most baffling, <laughs> once the spot is blown, Firestar says, I was right. <laughs> when did she ever say anything about yeah. Shauna being the chameleon? She what do you mean like, you were right? She makes like one vague comment. <laughs> And then, yeah, I don't know. I think she was just annoyed that Shauna was getting chummy with Spider-Man more than anything else. Uh, uh, She leads them on a wild chase into a cave. Uh, He makes a reference how one of them is going to run into herself, which that means Firestar is like, oh, it's got to be me. I'm next to get kind of a giveaway. Yeah, He does run into her where she uh, tricks her into a building where she gets hit with uh, freezing air. And then... He does the female heel laugh, so she's like, <laughs> <laughs> which you don't get a lot from women in uh, those days cartoons. Usually the, the big evil, evil laugh is always from the it guy. It is kind of fun when, the, when the, um, the actor voicing the actual character does the little I am evil voice because the chameleon's impersonating them. I always like that stuff in shows. So uh, then comes out this giant monster. Which is from the Doctor Strange comic book. Yeah, it's an actual something guardian, the gu- guardian, guardian, or galactic guardian, something like I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, but. I think it shows up in one of the big, um, the early Dormammu stories. It's um, from like his other dimensional realm. He's got like horns, one eye. He's gigantic. Which Doctor Strange, I'm not gonna be able to do it justice. Says a demon. Yeah, like he's and this terrified. His other chance to do something, tries to use his mystic amulet and. He is useless. <laughs> the demon blasts everyone aside like they're nothing. Does like a tractor beam on Doctor Strange. They tell Firestar to save him, but she says, quote, I oh, can't do it without yeah, hitting Doctor Strange. Being impersonated, yeah. So Doctor Strange gets eaten by the demon. Now, I can't remember if it's before or after this scene. There's the one where Firestorm's, the tunnel she went down has been sealed off. Yeah. They all rush in. Ms. Lion barks at where the fake door is, 
and everybody ignores her this time, and they all go the wrong way. Well, they waited for Firestar, who was so right about the disguise earlier, so they want her. Yeah. <laughs> this tips off Spidey. That can't be the real Firestar, because she could hit that demon with missing Doctor Strange, no problem. So they start chasing the chameleon again. They keep that, that seems to be working in the chameleon's favor. They chase him and fall into a trap. Oh, yeah. The whole kind of mess with them bit of it, the show. Sometimes it does come across because the heroes act dumb, but some <laughs> of it is kind of clever. And uh, Shada just falls off a bridge into a pit of lava <laughs> while they're chasing her. And that's I the know, end she, of her. It's like she's a Disney villain. We drop her from a great height all the time. So they were down to just uh, Iceman and Spider-Man. I would like a little clarification. We never get it. Is that an actual demon, or is it a giant robot? That, I think uh, it's some kind of robot. It does seem really elaborate, where everything else is just trap doors and cages and you know booby trap sort of stuff. There's a rope loop that gets Iceman at one point. This massive robot to get one guy who really wasn't that big a threat. I want to say it's a demon, because why else could Doctor Strange not do anything against it? But. I don't know. A big heat ray shoots Iceman right out of the air. And then he gets sucked by a tractor beam right into a trap door. So uh, they do the old bit, which they loved in this cartoon, where Firestar and Iceman are in separate rooms, but I'm aware of it in the old heat versus cold. Yeah, that was actually a cool little scene. They blast each other. Um, finally, uh, Iceman gets the better of them. He, he's kind of shocked because he accidentally trapped Firestar yep. in a giant block of ice. Then we kind of switch to Spider-Man who falls into yet another trap yeah. door. And it's one of those obviously animated bit of a background scene that always showed up with where you could always see that oh something's going to happen there because it's a different color and the minute he hits it it just flips around so he lands onto a giant web with this giant robotic spider-man which chameleon says is going to eat him which i find kind of weird the giant uh, robots that he throws in are a little odd the giant web catching spider-man it's kind of oh it's ironic and when he says how he's dead the chameleon says now he's going to be a super super villain yeah He's not just a supervillain. He's a super, super duper supervillain. And he's still monologuing, thinking they're all dead and captured, so no one can hear him. Spider-Man comments how it's not webbing. It's electrical cable. That spider's just one big toy. So he just rips it out and zaps the robot, and yes. that's the end of that. I do like that there are a couple moments where the hero takes two minutes to think it through and is able to get around a, tra- a trap. Spider-Man breaks into a uh, room where all the superheroes are alive, but they're held captive. They're all like right next to each other. Now, one, Firestar is no longer in the block of ice. No. So Chameleon thawed her where she was trapped to put her in another trap. Yes, he did. Right next to, and but yeah, they're just like they're in a row. I'm like... Neighbors in a tanning booth, essentially. Yeah, it's just like, um, they're, they're like five inches apart. This seems like not your best plan. <laughs> the uh, completely worthless Doctor Strange is in a cage yeah they have that cage where cap dr strange and shan are in that uh, when they break out they imply that there was some kind of force field or something keeping him there but yeah they're just the three of them are just standing there in a cage yeah they um spidey when he gets namor gets him some water he destroys this machine which dr strange comments apparently that machine was yeah preventing him from using magic yes. namor gets loose <laughs> and is really mad so he like punches the nearest computer which just happens to be the one running the cage keeping them trapped which uh you get to see the eye of agamento uh, for the first time which is yeah pretty, he actually that was pretty his, neat yeah he uses some of his stuff would have been uh, nice if he'd done that earlier in the episode <laughs> which frees them you find out chameleon is escaping where he set the self-destruct of Wolf Island to kill them all, which seems 
Very James Bond villainish. Yeah. Well, he thought he'd killed him like three times. <laughs> and then he put them all in a room so he could kill him for real this time. I don't know if you noticed uh, when he's leaving, the bottom of his helicopter says chameleon. It has his name on it. I noticed that. I'm like, that's for a master of disguise, that seems like a poor choice. Now, I went to this website. I can't remember the name of it when I was researching it. And this guy calculated the amount of money Chameleon would have had to have had for this episode. Like, he's got a mansion built on an island. He's got this giant robot. He priced death traps? <laughs> yes. You get those at, like, Home Depot or something? <laughs> like, it, he's got that. He's got the the mountain that he can collapse with a lever. He's got the ice. The giant uh, robot. The demon, giant, yeah. This giant robot. The booby spider. traps. The, like, it's insane. How much chameleon can do, but yet nothing there to take care of a small dog. And his whole plan was to just blow them up. It seemed like if they were already trapped in the force field, but I guess then we wouldn't have had the fun of him messing with them. Uh, this is off the subject completely, but did you notice uh, there's one shot where Cap's shield is just red and white? Yeah, the coloring on his shield got a little weird in a couple places. I'm assuming that was just because time pressure, they were just in they a were hurry. rushing. Yeah, that happens. So uh, Spider-Man catches up to the helicopter. He just sneaks up on Chameleon, just webs him to the, yeah. to the dashboard. Well, that's the thing. Once he's confronted, you realize Chameleon's not a great fighter because anytime they, they go, aha, it's you, he immediately just feats don't fail me now. He's In a fight, he knows he's going to get his clock clean. They start to leave because they got the timer of how long it's going to be for the self-destruct. But then they notice they've left behind Ms. Lion. Yeah, we got to save the dog. If we only could have been so lucky and let Ms. Lion blow up, that would have uh, made this cartoon excellent. But instead, Spider-Man saves her, webs her from the thing, and then all of Wolf Island yeah. blows up. Um, and then they comment that the chameleon lost because he didn't count on the eighth little superhero. Yep. His, no point in his elaborate plan did he build anything in there that could handle a small dog. Uh, not for nothing. Yeah, a couple of times this line did clue them in. Yeah, they actually use her in this episode, which is rare. But the, the plot would have gone the exact same way without her in, <laughs> in the thing. They still would have been trapped. Since he wasn't killing them in the original traps... <laughs> Yeah, it probably would have, and they might have been able to get free. But yeah, I just, I'm, like I said, it's nice that they actually use her rather than have her just show up like they did in so many episodes. But yeah, the fact that the chameleon's weakness is dogs. And I'm no criminal mastermind, but you're building a trap, not to kill them, to trap them in a different trap so that you can blow them up. And it seemed like if you wanted to keep them trapped in, in the explosion, why wouldn't you turn the force field back on? The minute you leave. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. To, like escape, then turn it on. Yeah. Him. He only had to shut it off so he could get away. I don't know why you have them all in the same giant room, but maybe at that point he'd run out of funds to Probably keep building. Ran out of space. <laughs> and there you have, <laughs> and there you have Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Seven little superheroes. Well, first, nostalgia-wise, had you seen that since you were a kid or it been a long time? No, we actually, um, when... Disney Plus got all the Spider-Man cartoons. Yeah. My daughter and I watched a bunch of them, and that was one of the first ones I watched because I remember that just being one of my favorites of it. And it was as goofy and fun as I remember it being. Yeah, when I first got Disney Plus, I watched the entire run of Spider-Man. and I watched every episode. So Yeah, we, we tried to try a couple episodes from every Spider-Man show, 
And I think Amazing Friends was the one we stuck with and watched the most of. Definitely watching it takes me back. And even now watching it, you really, especially if you're older, you get a sense of the time period. It makes you think of that time period watching the cartoon. Oh, yeah. It's fun. It is It is cheesy. I liked it because it, it didn't do the main Spider-Man cartoons. There's a lot of moping, which always kind of drove me away from the comic books. Peter Parker was very angsty. And in this, there'd be a little bit here and there, but it never it never got to that level. He had a couple friends to kind of go, oh, suck it up, Pete. Get over it. I think they only did two episodes like that when they retold his origin yeah. um, because Aunt May thought... He, they thought Aunt May was going to die, so he was going through that. And then the episode where he fell in love with the girl from tomorrow. and Yeah, everybody got an episode where they fall in love with somebody, but at the end, that person has to leave, and they would have that kind of slow romantic music and as they would you know, stand there in the sunset or something. Yeah, but other than that, they kept it fun-loving Spider-Man for a majority of, uh, yeah. of the oh, cartoon. Yeah, it's a fun cartoon. It's good in general. The, uh, you got the Marvel Universe characters show up left and right. Uh, they use plenty, a ton of characters. Plenty of villains. Yeah, everyone from Thor to Daredevil to Iron Man to the X-Men to more obscure characters like Sunfire show up on an episode. The Black Knight shows up. Yeah, the Black Knight shows up. And there's up. a great voice cast on all the characters. Yeah, it's that sweet spot still where all the classic voice actors were still alive, still working, so a lot of them came aboard and worked on this cartoon. There's a lot of talent behind this one. It is a lot of fun. And this cartoon was also my introduction to the actual voice of Stanley. It's the first time I'd ever heard Stanley actually yep, talk. That's true. I'd this read was the bullpen bulletins and you know read plenty of stuff by Stanley in interviews. But this is the first time I actually heard how amazing Stanley is when he actually talks. Oh, yeah. This was the start of him being a big part of the, the TV and movie stuff and having little appearances. Like Stanley always said, jokingly, he sacrificed by moving to California to be part of uh, Marvel Studios. <laughs> yes. Uh, Stan seemed to love writing comics, but he really seemed to like being part of the Hollywood thing and being able to play with some of that. So we're going to go right over to our spectrometer. Anyone new to the show, spectrometer is where we rank what we just saw. Four Spectros being absolute perfection, zero being just crap. How are you going to rank Spider-Man and his amazing friends, seven little superheroes? I, I love this episode, but I can't... I, let's go three and a half. I don't think it's perfection. There are some bits that, e even as a kid, made me go, what? But it is pretty close. It is just a lot of fun. So, yeah, we'll do a solid three and a half. Uh, I'm going to go three... I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it takes me back to my childhood. Most of the character designs are like perfect. Yeah. The only reason I'm not going to give it perfection is yes, that the plot is kind of goofy. Shauna and Doctor Strange are next to useless in this. Shauna at least does stuff to get through the traps. I mean, she gets she's one of the ones that gets trapped, gets free from a trap, and then they have to trap her again. So, which is a little more impressive than almost everybody else in this episode. And you know. They lose points for Ms. Lion as well. Yeah, and not a great character. What do you think out there? Did you like it better than we did? Uh, did you like it less? Fine if you did. My show is all about difference of opinion, so it's okay if you didn't like it or if you liked it more than we did. We want to hear from you. Let us know. We also talk in 2022. Child comes across Spider-Man as amazing friends. Are they going to enjoy it? I think so. I mean, it's a great intro to a whole bunch of characters. And that's, I think that sort of thing is kind of cool. Those kind of stories were the episodes I remember from these shows, like when they did the X-Men ones, because there's a whole bunch of characters that you can see, and they, they try to let everybody do something. And while some of the traps are a little dumb, 
and some of the hero's choices aren't great. I think watching this as a kid, you're going to see this huge cast, and there'll be that little bit of suspense in your head of going, oh, that's a cool trap. How are they going to get out of that one? So I think this is one that would hold up a little bit better because it's not as clunky as some of the older ones, and there's enough little fun bits there that I think would hook a younger kid. I think it'd be a good gateway drug into the, the Marvel Universe. I'd probably agree. I think the animation isn't... It's a little bit of its time, but it's not super dated, so I think they would like it. It's Spider-Man, which everyone likes. Yeah. It's Spider-Man, Cap, Doctor Strange, characters that everybody, oh, yeah. even if you're not a comic fan, are going to know who they are. Yeah. And it's a great mix of characters. It's fun. Yeah, I think they would enjoy Spider-Man as Amazing Friends, but there's been so many Spider-Man cartoons that might not hold up to whatever their particular favorite Spider-Man cartoon is. Yeah, if you're, <laughs> if you're big into the solo stuff or some of the more serious ones, you're going to see this as a little goofy, but I think it, it's fun. So And it's not trying to be more than just be a lot of fun, which is a good way to hook. I, I don't think some of the super serious ones a small kid would get into as easily, but I think this would be a good intro. What did you think out there? Go to my social media and let us know. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Max Spectro. While you're there, give me a follow. I'd really appreciate it. Facebook, you can find me, Matt Spectro through the multiverse. While you're there, also follow and like my page. Give me your comments on this episode or anything else in general. We'd like to hear from you. I always like to hear difference of opinions. And if you could also follow my podcast, subscribe, smash the subscribe button to my podcast. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. Give it a five-star review. I really appreciate it. And give suggestions for cartoons or guests you'd like to hear from in the future. Trav, I want to thank you for once again joining us, gracing us with your presence on this show. Happy to be here. We always do free plug time. I don't, know what every, I don't always know what's going on in people's lives. Anything at this point in time you want to plug. Where am I? Uh, I'm not a huge amount on the internet. Uh, you can find me on uh, Goodreads. I do a ton of reviews, and I do have a little author's page because my other free plug is uh, I'm a regular contributor to uh, Black Crote Press's Tales of the Shadow Men series. So feel free to go there, buy my books. Can they get it on Amazon, or can they only go to that particular website? You can go through Amazon. You can go through the website. Beautiful. And that's going to wrap it up for this week. I'm Matt Spectra through the Multiverse. Thank you for joining us. And, Travis, I hope you'll come back again. Oh, anytime. These are always fun. Until next time, join us again for another exciting episode of Met Spectro Through the Multiverse. Excelsior!